Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. This is so cool. Don't Tell Comedy is sponsoring this podcast. Don't Tell Comedy are comedy shows that happen in these really intimate, unique spaces like art galleries and backyards and rooftops. I did one of their first shows in 2017. It was in a random clothing store in LA. Now they're in 150 cities worldwide. You got to check them out. They are such a perfect night out. Don't Tell Comedy is the spot to go. Date night, alone night, friend night, whatever you want it to be. It's so fun. Get tickets at DontTellComedy.com. Use the code Nikki for 20% off your first show the nikki glazer podcast hello here i am it's nikki glazer welcome to the nikki glazer podcast i am here in st louis joined by my mom in studio hi mom hi nikki i'm I'm so so glad to have you back in here i know i'm excited you're here for a special reason today i sure am brian is also here with us from new york hello Uh, Hi Brian. Hi, Brian. He's in New York right now for the holiday. But we have a very special guest on the show today, which I'm sure you already know from the uh, description on the podcast. It's um, one of my favorite comedians of all time, and my mom's well, def- like favorite comedian. You're like our, you're our favorite. I, I, I don't want to say she's my favorite. I, I want to say no. It's okay. You're my favorite, no, but no, Kathy's my favorite. You, no, Kathy Griffin is the. Is just such an inspiration to. I would not be who I am without Kathy Griffin. My mom would not be who she is without Kathy Griffin. That's probably true too. So inspiring to us. (laughs) We've watched her along uh, just for so many years now. She is embarking on her first tour in uh, of America in six years. It's called My Life on the PTSD List. It is a forty city tour. I am definitely traveling to Kansas City to go see it because it's the closest that it's getting to me. Nice. I was uh, sad that I couldn't go see you in Vegas. I thought, oh my gosh, is this just a one-off thing? I'm so glad you're back on tour. Welcome to the show, Kathy. Uh, I'm sorry to keep talking. Um, please. Uh, I'm just I'm just so uh, blessed to meet you today. <laughs> oh my God, you're so sweet. Well, I love you. You know that. And Julie, I'm your favorite. Just say it. I'm your, I'm completely uh, Okay, you're my favorite. <laughs> Definitely. And you always have been, but Nikki came into the scene and it was like, what do I do? No, yeah. really, I prefer you to Nikki. Nothing <laughs> about that. No, <laughs> Kathy, whenever my mom laughs at your material, because we'll watch your stuff together, mm-hmm. she always goes, I'm sorry. She's just so funny. She always has to say, I'm sorry. And I go, why are you apologizing? And it's always because she thinks I'm getting offended on some uh, level. And I go, I'm not. Uh, no. She is the queen. No, the queen. My mom um, did the same thing. When I was in the Groundlings, the improv group back in the day, yeah. I was in the Groundlings with Lisa Kudrow, who, of course, went on to be in Friends. And my mom would come to the show. And afterwards, she would go, oh, Kathleen, that Lisa Kudrow. <laughs> 
<laughs> he just has the it factor. And I'd be like, what about my sketch? And she'd go, well, you should keep working. But Lisa has everything. It's a pat. So I'm used to it. That's what moms do at your job. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. don't you think that's a reason why you are the way you are, though, is because of that. Um, just were you always seeking her validation? Were you always trying to get your mom's approval? Yes. Is that? A, is, yeah. Look at me. Look at me. I mean, it's just yes. beautiful. I was the youngest of five mm-hmm. and, you know, a wonderfully dysfunctional family. And my parents enjoyed the drink. And so I was just. <laughs> dancing around trying to get their attention but it was hard to get their attention away from like the highball mix do you guys remember <laughs> mixes where you would put no. a powder in a drink and stir it which i could do when i was like seven like wow you can make my parents like a highball or an old <laughs> but it was powder and then we had hamburger helper which was more powder <laughs> i was raised Did on you- powder there <laughs> That was the day. That's what they ate. Yeah. Did I mean, you find that your parents, did your parents watch a lot of TV? So was that a way for you to go like, okay, they'll pay attention to me if I get on that? Is Was that a part of it? My were totally starstruck. So I'm from Chicago. Yeah. And believe it or not, until the John Hughes movies started filming in Chicago, you know, like the Breakfast Club and stuff. Yeah. Bear Daly, who was the mayor when I was a kid, he would not, oh, sorry, the dogs here. He would not allow filming in Chicago. So my parents were very starstruck and we saw every movie and there was one theater in our town called the Lake Theater in Oak Park, Illinois. And we would go to every Friday, no matter what the movie was. And I remember one time the movie for a week was the documentary Pumping Iron with Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) And we still went. We were like, yep, we're going because it's a movie every Friday. They were super starstruck. And so when I started to become like, when I started to get like TV gigs or little mm-hmm. arts and movies, I took my parents to every gig I had. And it is to this day the joy of my career. Like I had a little part on ER and I would even oh, wow. two lines. Somehow I would talk the producers into letting my parents <laughs> come to the set with their folding chairs. Aww. <laughs> And I have pictures of my parents with George Clooney from ER. And it was like the episode that Quentin Tarantino directed. So there's a picture of my parents with Quentin Tarantino. Wow. It was honestly like it was a blast to bring them because they, and by the way, they didn't bother anybody. And by the end of the day, they would be the darlings of the set. And people would (laughs) be the way it is for me. Great. Kathy, I I really took a a page from that book of yours of, of, bringing my parents to everything that I can involving them in every way they've been on pretty much every shoot that I can get them on. I've incorporated them into every kind of TV show and I bring my dad on stage with me. I just love them so much. And I think I do know that they appreciate and value show business so much that it is something that's, it's, it's nice to be able to, I mean, it's a, it's a way to get their attention. I I do think that was a thing that I, I I was like, Oh, my parents really like TV people. I mean, I think it's, was probably one of the reasons I got into this. I- I'm going to take a little dark turn here. I really fear losing my parents because I I was even crying to it about my to my therapist yesterday. I was like, I don't know that I will have any reason to keep doing this oh, if I'm not because they're the first ones who text me when I'm on TV. They watch everything I do. They are you know they, they maybe don't say oh, oh, every all the right things, but they're so supportive. <laughs> they 
you know, and, and maybe sometimes I get a text and I'm like, oh, I don't even, I don't even care that they watch that, but they're always, <laughs> but I do care. It's, it means so much to me that they're always watching. And I fear that if, when they're gone mentally, physically, whatever, um, that I will have no, what's, what's making me do this? Cause I really think it's, no, it's no, to make them proud. No, no, you'll bring them back. You'll bring them back. I mm. learned this from the great Don Rickles, the, my dear departed friend, the one and only Don Rickles. And he would, his mom came to every show and he would talk to her and she sat, like, I can't remember if she sat in the front or the back, but then she passed away and there was a certain period of time when he kind of didn't do anything. And then he would talk about her in a way that was very, you know, um, poetic. And I, so I still talk about my mom and my act because the people that come to my shows knew my mom and my dad. And yes. They say tippet, which is something my mom would say because my mom had <laughs> enjoyed a box of wine. Yes. And when the plastic bag inside the box was getting low, you got to tip it. Plain tip. <laughs> you tip the box and then you use the spigot to get the very last drops. <laughs> yeah. and like, I know this. Because we have to be broke and live in our car and eat dog food. But like all that stuff, you can still talk about. But I do love talking about. Your dead mother when she's in the room. Now, Julie, yeah. <laughs> and I don't want to burst into tears on my therapist, but Julie, what celebrities have like stuck out with you that you've met? Um, well, oh, with through Nikki Blake Shelton. Yes. Well, yeah, Blake. I've met so many. Uh, Dave Matthews, Blake Shelton. Wait, tell me about uh, Nick Shelton. Uh, oh well, Nikki was doing a game show with him. Barmageddon. It's Bar out now. Yeah, my episode will be in January. Oh, good. Yeah, good yeah. to know. Uh, anyway, we got to, and Nikki's like, "Do you want to go? Because uh, Taylor Swift is playing in Nashville also, and you can go with me to that." And I'm like, "I'm so in." She yeah. took me on tour with her oh. to go see uh, Taylor, like four different shows, Heaven. different cities. <laughs> Nikki's so generous with me, Kathy. It's unbelievable. Oh. Anyway, Blake like spent. 15 minutes with me, just sitting next Julie, to me. Julie, it's Mr. Me, Shelton, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, honestly, he didn't cringe when I said Blake, but he's such a nice guy. He's just like, I was, I really didn't even know who he was, to be honest. Like, yeah. uh, I, I know who he is, but I didn't know how cool he was, now, what, to be honest. Did he just charm the pants off you? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah He, he really was just did. really, he's like, He's yes. talking about how he met Gwen. Like he was letting us yeah. in on all this kind of like insider info. Yeah. And and he had his own green room, but he didn't even use it. He just hung out in ours. And yeah. then he, I thought he was just being nice to me and just like, inter, you know, saying hi to my mom and me and sitting down for a second when we first got there. Yeah. But then I got called to set and he just, he just stayed with my mom. <laughs> he just stayed oh. behind and sat with her for 15 minutes. Yeah. And it wasn't even like, oh, I'm just going to be a real gentleman now. It was just like, he was genuinely <laughs> in, interested in her and her story and, you know, that, that you stuff really stands Gwen, out to how you. How does Gwen Stefani feel about your whole mother trying to take Blake? <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I said, don't tell like Gwen. Your mother's a harlot. <laughs> I said, I, I said, don't tell Gwen. Uh, don't, yeah. But I, it was so funny because I went on to, I was shooting a show this, this summer and there were some of the same crew from that oh. show and they kept coming up to me and going, when's your mom coming to set again? Wow. We love your mom. You're I just, kidding. I just texted a guy about your mom. Like, your what? people just loved you because you were throwing back a couple. You got into the wine on that shoot, yeah, and you were just being funny and At hilarious. 
and you were filming me. She was in, in the crowd shot, which is supposed to be like a drunk honky tonk oh, bar of yeah. like cool, you know, millennials, Gen Z. And my mom's just holding up her oh phone, filming God. me as I'm doing some, some of these like competitions. Sorry, and I didn't know about like, that. We had to cut around your mom filming you the whole time, but it was, uh, she's just like a, a blast everywhere she goes. And, and she just and told me a, a story. Have ever embarrassed you? Come on, be honest. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. Surely. Yeah, for sure. But, not, but that was like in high school, you know, when I was like trying to be cool. I think I heard you say it too about your parents is that my my dad is the one who's like intentionally funny and yes. like has the jokes and then my mom is the one that's just born funny and right. doesn't really know why she's funny and like yeah, she makes everyone laugh Nikki. everything she's saying. Yeah, mom, you are the one. I've, <laughs> I feel like I'm listening to like a couple's counseling session like I do on these podcasts. I love this. They though. always go, you can tell her, Nikki, you can tell yeah. her. Thank um, you. Yeah, you, I mean, I've told you this before. You're you're the funniest person I know, but you don't <laughs> even, I, I've tried to actually imbue some of your characteristics of the way you talk and just the things well, you, you say. you do a good job. Well, really. I know I do. You know you yeah, do. You know I do. But you just are, you are just funny the way you are. And so it's, uh, and that to me, I, I, I don't know about you, Kathy, but I feel like I've always tried to be funny or it's been like, um, you know, I, th I think I have some of that natural ability, but it's more for me. I think I'm, I'm more of like my dad's version, but well, as I get should. older, I'm trying to relax and be like, Oh wait, there is a natural funny part of me that I've been kind of almost fighting by trying so hard. No, I love that though. I love both of those kinds of people. I was so lucky to have those like archetypes of people with my parents because my dad, honestly, he could have been a comic. Like, he was really funny. I mean, it's the kind of humor that I have, which, you know, sometimes it served me well and sometimes it hasn't. But, like, I remember when I was a little kid, we had this, like, really close family friend. He was almost like an uncle. And he redid their rec room. Remember rec rooms, Julie? Oh, of course. <laughs> sort of, but we called it a rec room. Or, right. He, so, Mr. Gillian was his name. So, Mr. Gillian finishes the rec room and he did it all himself. And it's Sunday, and we'd gone to church, and I remember my dad's holding my hand, and I'm a little kid, and my dad walks in, and he goes, what a shitbox. Funniest. <laughs> <laughs> and my mother was appalled. Of course. Gillian laughed, because he knew my dad was kidding. But I, I want to capture that quality of, like, yes. being able to be not mean. Like, we're talking about Rickles. Like, believe it or yes. not, Rickles was wounded. When he, when people thought he was mean. And I, I never understood how you could think Rickles or Joan Rivers were mean because they were so clearly like letting you in on the joke, but their world was this no BS world. And yet my dad did kind of need my mom to be a legit person that was legit appalled at everything he said. Yes. No, she was giggling too. Right. I love it's that like balance of, my mom was a character. She didn't know why she was funny. My dad could like tell a joke on cue. So trying to, and you have that Nikki where you can marry those two things, but you can be funny on cue like that. It's, you know, when I let go, you know, I think when I'm trying, when I'm obsessed about what I'm going to say and, and trying to be the funniest, I'm, I'm somewhere in between, you know, when I go on talk shows, I want prepared material. I want to know exactly the beats I'm going to hit. I want to make sure I have funny jokes. And then, there's there is a part though of of letting go. I you know I didn't come up doing improv or sketch, so I I don't have that. Uh, I've always just done stand up, so it's always been like I know what I'm gonna say when I'm get up there. I don't really do crowd work. I'm I'm kind of nervous about letting myself uh, just go and letting the funny 
find itself. But as I get older, I think I'm I'm just learning to like myself more and just trust that uh, whatever I am is is unique and it's it's fine and that's what makes me special. But it takes so many years to fucking yes, start just but you have liking a point yourself. of view, and that's what makes you successful because yes. comics that just try to write material or almost recite material, it yeah. it has to come from your point of view. What is the shit you think is funny? Sorry, I'm, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on here. Yeah, please. Okay. Um, the shit you think is funny, but by the way, can we talk about crowd work? Okay. Yes. Nikki, <laughs> I, I don't do this trend. Like if this is the new trend, I'm but, sorry. Like I look, I get crowd work and I admire people and I do have an Me too. And that's great. But I actually feel philosophically that if you buy a ticket to, you know, Kathy Griffin, my life on the PTSD tour, mm-hmm. you can just relax. Like I, Yes. I, you know what I mean? Like, I want the audience yes. to know I'm going to do all the work. There's yes. two hours where you just have to sit in your seat. Also, you play theaters like I do. That's a very different animal. You can't do crowd work with someone in row one because then the thousand people behind them or more, if you're lucky, 2,500 people or whatever, they can't hear that person. They have no, you know, Sebastian Maniscalco, because he relies on a part of his set to do crowd work, he will have a camera filming that person and then it shows up on the screen. So he's, he's orchestrated in a way that it can make sense for the whole, the whole theater, but you're absolutely right. It's, I, I, I know that when I go to shows or when I was a, a person that was before I did stand up, I was terrified of being singled out right. or uh, being called on. And I think that most people have that. There are some people that, you know, are dying to be roasted yeah, yeah. Or, or, you know, be involved in the show, but I, those people I'm not really interested in entertaining. I just, I, that's not, I actually give a speech before my show that says, like, if you have seen my roast before and you're here thinking that's what's going to happen tonight, it's not. If you're a girl who is brought by one of those guys, like, I can't wait for her to tear us to shreds. I'm not going to talk about you can get up to go to the bathroom and I'm not going to be the one to go like, look at this lady going to take a shit. Like, I tell them, please go to the bathroom. Like, I want you to have no anxiety. Just laugh. If you have a weird laugh, let it go like loudly. I'm not going to address it. I'm not going to. You can just relax because I. I just know that's the kind of experience I want. Um, and I, I like that you say that because, um, yeah, it's 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 become this trend. And I, I agree with you. I think it is a a talent in its own right. Right. It really Matt has Rife. to be. It, it has to be in clubs or like, like, yes. that. you've got to have like a jumbotron and stuff. Yeah. And and look, that's what I do when I was in the Groundlings. And that's great. And when you go to the Groundlings, which is a comedy troupe in L.A. or Second City in Chicago, the whole audience knows when they enter they are going to be asked to make suggestions. But right. you know what's funny, Nikki, is I also have people that think I'm a roaster, but I'm yes. not really a classic roaster. And you and I have both done roasts. Yeah. And it's honestly, it's not my comfort zone. And I'll be sort of roasty type of zingers in my stuff, but it's not the Comedy Central roast of Charlie Sheen, roast of David yeah. Love. That's like a assignment. And I yes. feel like what you and I do is this is our time to have what however much time you do, you know, but um mm-hmm. to let it fly, let the stuff that we think is funny out there and this relatable. I say a thing because I tend to go really long. Mm-hmm. On my last tour, which was over five years ago, I did some shows that were over three hours because Oh my God. Oh my I actually gosh. did every show like it was my last show. And then right. on my last show. It fucking was my last show. Yeah. And then the phone didn't ring, Nikki. 
for five years. I did the most successful tour of my career. I got to play freaking Singapore and the Sydney Opera House and Carnegie Hall and Radio City. And I thought, okay, now I'm over the Trump photo. People are okay. And they weren't. And Mm. five long years, I've been not fair and trying to get, I've bitched talk shows and game shows and scripted shows and unscripted shows. And it's just been like this toxicity all from that Trump photo. And it's crazy because I feel like this tour came together. I'm not kidding. Three weeks ago, I finally got a call from an agent like six weeks ago. And then I'm an agent and a manager. And then they routed this tour. And so I got 40 cities. And it's just mind-blowing because it's It's awesome. it's almost like America has finally forgiven me, which is a very yeah. odd thing to like go through, you know? Yeah, it, it's got to be because you must have just thought this is never going to lift. Yeah. They're never going to yes. forgive me. First of all, they don't even they don't even care to listen to right. what was really going on with that photo and why it happened. Yeah. All they want to know is, is they think that I was actually making a threat against his life. They yeah. they they don't have any interest in hearing me explain myself. Yeah, I was and on the fly list. I couldn't do her if I wanted. I know. Uh, and you were you were under investigation for months. Yes. You were wow. I mean, I can't I can't believe what you went through. Being canceled in that vicious of a way um is is something that so few people understand and and I've I've researched it a bit. Like I just it's people really people want to People want you to die. People yeah. just people want you to lose everything. Yeah. People really uh, it, it must have felt so horrible, especially Kathy, as you know, someone who people don't understand that comedians are desperate for love, yeah. you know, and acceptance. That's why we're doing this. And and even if you're a comedian that says crazy things or controversial things, it, it, like you said about Rickles, you know, quote unquote, mean things at the core of it is this de- this desperate need of acceptance and love. And so for that, for the opposite of that to happen, I don't. I don't know. I can't imagine what you went through. I'm so glad that it's feeling like it's finally lifted. And I, I can't wait to see how well this tour does. It's like a mandatory minimum sentence. Like you got five yes. years for a Seriously. photo when there's yes. other people it who did like much worse sentence. things and yes. got one year. And you know, you know, like when people talk about being canceled, first of all, let's be honest. A lot of the people that were canceled were dudes that were like whipping their dicks out and rubbing them against girls and yes, somebody on the set who's like a Holocaust denier. Like, yeah. I took a photo that was... You're in the same boat. A protest photo, in my opinion. Some people thought it was a joke. You can interpret it however you want. But to be investigated by two agencies within the Department of Justice and have the White House, like, serious oh. about, about charging me the conspiracy to assassinate the President of the United States. Oh, my God. It was just so intense insane and that, that it's ridiculous it's no wonder you have ptsd on and, and people just can't get over it like it was the craziest thing like i did the stephen colbert show one time and i'm a giant fan of his i love the colbert rapport in particular yeah and i went on and he was so tough on me that the minute the interview was over i went in the wings and i freaking burst into tears oh it was so embarrassing and the producer came over to me and he said i'll never forget he goes he just couldn't get beyond the picture. Oh, God. <laughs> give me a break. Because it was brutal. And he goes, I'm going to give you a beautiful edit. And it was one of those shows where they did they did a Thursday show that would run Friday. And it yeah. was fine. 
But like, but people that came at me, it wasn't just the right wing. It was left, right, and center. You know what? Can't anyone just like understand that sometimes you make a fucking mistake? Yes. And that you make, you just... We've all been caught up in a moment. I mean, people can't relate to photo shoots and the th- ideas that get thrown out and the things that you right. do. Like, I've I've had water dumped on me with like a white t-shirt with my nipples hanging out. Like, I've I've done like kind of partially nude photographs when I didn't even want to right. because a guy in my kitchen was like, "I have a cool idea." It's it can't anyone grasp that oh, that I sometimes it, and that and you and you know it boils down you to you pressing dancing? post on your Instagram. Your life was over. You just over. hit a button. You hit your phone with your thumb, and your over. life was fucking over. Yeah, and that's insane. Thing, Nikki, I was doing it because I was in between. Well, in between gigs, I was out of work. And one of the things that I do, and you're like this as a self starter, is I thought, you know what? I'll do. I had the the of course the photographer had no fallout. You know, typical. And, no. But I had worked with him before, and I foolishly trusted him. But, you know, I thought, why don't I take a bunch of wacky pictures? And I took one where, like, I was spoofing Kim Kardashian. Like, I took, like, five wacky pictures that day. And that Trump picture took 10 minutes. It was the last one of the day. Yeah, of course. And, and I had a Halloween mask and, you know, of Trump and whatever. But... I really thought this picture will live on my Instagram for a day, or maybe it would be on a gay blog, and that'll be. <laughs> yeah. Like, I didn't oh, know that. God. You weren't trying to fire what? up anyone. You weren't trying Whoa. to make a. It was. It, it, we got to go to break, but I, I let's just talk about all this when we get back. I really want to talk about the name of your tour, why you chose that name, and but, like what what you you've gone through, and and you've been through so much more than just this uh, in the past six years. Uh, we'll we'll be back with more Kathy Griffin after this. Okay. Are you looking for some amazing TV to stream? Well, sink into your couch and indulge with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. We're talking some of the greatest comedies of all time. Absolute must-watch shows. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the crew in How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons of How I Met Your Mother are now streaming on Hulu right now. One of my favorite shows ever. And I mean, don't you want to know how he met their mother? Then go back home with the Dumfies, the Pritchetts, and the Pritchett-Tuckers in Modern Family. Then you can start over with the Roses on Schitt's Creek. And then see what's up in the Kyle household in My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. I mean, can you even watch all of this? We think so. Head on over to Hulu and start streaming today. Now we're talking. Well, the weather is getting a lot warmer, and so your wardrobe probably needs an update. I know mine does, and it's so hard when you want to buy new stuff because you want it to last a long time, you want it to look really good, and you want it to, like, stand the test of time in terms of, like, fashion. At least that's what I want. And so that's why I love Quince, because Quince is all about effortless fashion that looks chic and timeless year-round. I'm talking premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. Washable silk top. They have so many chic jewelry pieces like these globe boho hoops. I love those. You could just blindly click and end up with such wardrobe essentials. They're not wasting your time at Quince. I love the Quince um, dress I got. I'm trying to find it because I want to say the exact name of it, but it's like this long sleeve dress, but it's like a midi skirt. It's so cute. It's like silky feeling. It's just, I've told you about it before. Okay, there's so much cute stuff on here. I got to go and get back to the podcast, but you know what to do. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash Nikki for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E Quince.com slash Nikki to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash Nikki. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
you know, I have the podcast to really vent about stuff that's been bothering me. But even that, I can't say some of the stuff I need to sometimes. And there's certain things you just really can't tell anyone. And that's when you need a therapist. They're just there to listen. They can handle it. They've heard it all before. They can tolerate it. And that's why I love therapists. Don't think that you have to get through anything you're dealing with alone. That is not the way being a human works. You need to tell someone, please take this opportunity and check out BetterHelp because they will find you a therapist who will meet your needs. I've benefited so much from therapy of saying the darkest stuff I would never even say in the podcast. And I know you're like, wait a second, you leave dark stuff off the podcast? Yes, I, I get even darker if you can believe it. So if you're starting of thinking giving therapy a try, try through BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. And it's online and you can leave your therapist at any point with no questions asked. So this is perfect for someone who's noncommittal, who's scared, um, who's never tried therapy before. Get whatever you've got off your chest. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Nikki Glazer today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash Nikki Glazer. We're back. Kathy Griffin is here. Uh, she is back on tour. 40 city tour. And I like that you said that um, I watched an Instagram live of yours recently. These are secondary cities. So these are these aren't the big the big cities. These are like, you know, you you took Line. your agent made a plan for you. Town, New York, Omaha, Red Bank, New Jersey. Napa, California, like yes. cities. And I so I'm this go around, I'm not doing like LA, New York, Minneapolis, Chicago. I have to Nikki, I take it the temperature. Yeah, but I also have to earn my way back. Like my dream is to play Carnegie Hall again. Mm -hmm. You've played it five times I've already. Five times, just me, no opener, nothing. And you've never met anyone who loves standing on that stage more than I do. I am I, I know Garland. I'm sorry, you know, all the, <laughs> I, you know, I have to earn my way back to Carnegie. I hope to play the Chicago theater again. I hope to play the Kodak in LA, but I don't know you guys. I'm scared. It's, I I know it's, oh, it's a hundred percent going to happen. You, oh. This is your redemption. People, whether or not people have forgiven you, everyone who has a, uh, head on their shoulders and 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 has been a fan of yours in the past is is back on board is always uh, a fan uh, yes i can't i, I was clamoring so for you to come back on. and i want to ask your advice so okay so julie you're a super fan of mine obviously you know i'm a humble legend all right so, <laughs> that's what i love about you that's i'm just humble the thing that i think really just hurts but i want to have figure out a way to work around it is what hurts the most is all the people that think about that Trump photo, but they've forgotten. They did like Kathy Griffin, my life on the D-list. They did like my specials. They did like, you know, whatever. And I felt like that photo took away my entire body. Unfair. I, I just can't even believe how I'm unfair. Girl. I'm the same person. Exactly. But And I, I guarantee you, anyone who's seen you in concert and anyone who knows you, all your fans We'll be there. They're coming back. All right. These are other people that canceled they, you. Yeah. The, and the people that aren't going to come back have a brain disorder. I mean, that's what they have a mental <laughs> exactly. illness, which we all know about. And it's like yeah. anything to do with that guy. They can't open their heart oh to any kind God. of reasoning or uh, just they they can't use simple logic. But I really do think that the press you'll get from this and the stories that will come out of it, the the different appearances you'll, you'll make, you're going to start being in their face again a lot more and people are just going to fall in love with you all over again because you're so fucking funny. I'm so excited to hear this material. You are you are just true. one of the most prolific. You are probably the most prolific comedian 
we have, you, you know, I always say I'm so grateful that I'm a Swifty because she is just so prolific and yeah. she's constantly putting out stuff. And, you know, if you're a fan of Rihanna, you've been waiting for an album for like two decades right. and, and it sucks. But, it, you know, when you're a fan of Kathy Griffin, I was looking at your special sp spread of like 20 specials that you've put out. Yeah. You would shoot sometimes three specials in a year. Like yeah. it would be like, you know, 13 months and there would yeah. be three specials. Um, I, I'm sure you've been over this before. How do you generate material? What 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 is your writing process? I just saw a, an Instagram of you actually just typing away of like, how are you getting ready for tour? And it's just you feverishly typing. Is, is that your process uh, in front of a laptop? Not really. In fact, I'm just old school bullet points. Like, yeah, I have, same. It's so ridiculous. Yeah. I still bring a notebook on stage with me. I don't really look at it. But it's like a security blanket. Me too. Yeah. It's like bullets, and then I'm off and running. And I'm yeah. lucky if I get to all of them at the end of the two hours. But you remember all of the punchlines yes. just because you just, it, I, I have the same thing. Like right. once you, you say something that's funny and gets a laugh, yeah. it just imprints in your head. Yeah. And it's there. Yeah. Yes. So it's, okay. remember, I'm from the groundlings. Like I was an actress right. first, and I went about it, as my mom would say, ass backwards, where I was like, <laughs> honest it come. And then I did my first special. I didn't do my first special till I was 36. So I wasn't Jesus. even on TV. So I was 36. So I'm a lady. You look so fucking good, too. Oh, it's insane. Yeah. I mean, it, I you're, love the improvisational nature. And oh, you yeah. want some dish that don't, I'm going to try to please. Well, let me say, but like, I'm kind of bitter because I've never been on that show with Jerry Seinfeld comedians in cars. Yeah. Because I Wait. Jerry doesn't think I'm like a real comic. Because I improvise everything. And no, but you don't. But Kathy, you don't. Like, you're not You're not filming specials improvising. I bet you anything, <laughs> I can watch your specials. I know that maybe you got to the jokes by improvising. Yeah. Uh, but when you tape a special, maybe one or two or three lines right. is improvised that night. Yeah. But you have memorized the material like anyone else does. You're just not there with a notebook yes. writing out jokes long form. That doesn't... That, that's interesting. I, I do it's feel like the, there is a... There is a difference between the way the comics that sit at a, with a laptop and memorize their jokes and write them out and no. then re recite them over and over. Look at comics like us who have just kind of worked it out on stage. Um, yeah. But it's, there's no difference. You're, you're, you've you've way, memorized also, and come up with material just like they have. There's also room for everybody. And so yeah. I like one of the I, I can't even imagine having feelings about a comic the way people like turned on me. Like, it's so shocking to me to this day that people have these such strong feelings because I think of, if there's a comic I don't particularly like, I just maybe don't like them. But I don't oh, I know. want a mission to ruin them, you know? And Well, that's not the people that loved you, Kathy. These are people who love somebody else and he's despicable. I know. But sorry, they, they will stand... Behind him, it doesn't matter what you did. If you said something bad against him, yeah, they're gonna dislike you. But so, there's something that I, 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 I'm sorry, I something that's... resonates with me with what you're saying, Kathy. Is like, and it 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 pains me to hear it from you because you're just someone who I uh, look at as like so strong and just like the funniest person alive. And, and to hear this, like, why are they still mad at me? Why don't they they like me? People who don't like you don't fucking get it. Like. I if someone is not a fan of yours, I'm just like I don't res I don't want to be on your list of favorite comedians. I don't want to have anything to do with you because if you get if you understand good comedy, which I 
So I have bad self-esteem in almost every part of my life, but I I know what's funny and who's the yes. funniest. And if, if you don't think Kathy Griffin is funny, you're not smart. Yeah, you're not <laughs> exactly. Good. You're not a. You don't have a good barometer of of stand up comedy, and I don't respect your opinion. It's just the way it is. But I do. I, I think it's Who so cares interesting. about those people. But here's the thing that is don't I care think about people them. All right. wonder about people like me and people like you, Kathy, that that say things on stage that we know are going to are controversial. The same thing as your dad saying, well, well, well this what place looks like shit. Box. What a shit box. Yes. We say things like that. Um, and then they go, well, then why do you get upset when people don't like you? Clearly, you're saying things that are going to alienate people. I struggle with that. Again, I was talking to my therapist with about it yesterday. I'm I'm t- shooting a special December 16th and I'm Yay! struggling with with um thank you. I'm struggling with, you know, making material that's going to make me super likable and relatable and it's going to bring everyone in and it's not going to alienate anyone. No, and then at the same no. time I want I know, but <laughs> but don't you struggle with those two as well? Like of I want everyone course. to like me, but also I want to be myself and have my opinions and have my point of view. How do you square those two? Because at the end of the day, you still have to be the businesswoman who's selling tickets. And so right. what I'm trying to work on is I kind of let go of the notion of trying to broaden my fan base because we've all become so siloed that I'm never like, it does make me sad, but I'm never going to get those Trumpers back. Yeah. And there are certain regions. I mean, Nikki, I used to play everywhere. I played every Southern market you can imagine. I played the Riverboat Casinos. I played the Performing Arts Centers. And look, let's face it, some of those markets, they may never forgive me. I mean, when when you're talking deep, deep, deep Trump yeah. country, you know. What did lost. you do? I don't really know what you did. I think By- I can go there. See, although I am going to Lexington, <laughs> Kentucky, and I'm selling pretty well there, which is shocking. Yeah. I can also try to be the beacon of like for the gays and the ladies and the people. Yes. And like, yeah. maybe just don't want, they're just not down with that. And that's what I would want. Like, if I lived in Trump country and I couldn't help it, I had to live there, I would mm-hmm. absolutely go see a comic yes. coming to town that was just going to have an opposing view. And by the way, let me just say, believe it or not, in my new show, I actually don't mention Trump once. And it's not Amazing. like scared or anything. He yeah. just kind of doesn't come up. And I really Great. love talking about all this PTSD Good. stuff. And I yes. think it's relatable. But like you said, yes, I'm mindful of, I think the PTSD stuff is funny, but what I'm finding really rewarding is people relate to it with everything we've been through with COVID, which, by the way, not our most shining moment. We didn't yeah. exactly deal well with COVID. We <laughs> lost our freaking minds. But We haven't recovered. And recovered. And, you know, mm-hmm. I had lung cancer, so my voice is like a little bit more high-pitched. And so I talk about that, and I say to the audience, Clap if you've been affected in any way by cancer. Well, almost everyone claps. And I yeah. go, clap if you've been affected, you know, in any way by losing a friend, somebody in your Facebook group, a coworker, to MAGA or QAnon. Almost everybody claps. So then I'm like, okay, I can talk about this stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I don't know. It's super, super personal. I didn't think I'd ever be talking. I didn't think I could have PTSD. I thought it was- Yeah, tell me about that because I, I've heard you speak on it, but how did it show up for you? And, and, and what did you think it was at first? How did you get diagnosed? What's, what are your symptoms? Well, I was... Okay, so after I got cancer, I had my, my um, surgery and they took half of my left lung out. And so I have one and a half lungs, Nikki. Oh my God. 
I have. Are, is that what? Are, what are you feeling from that? Is it just? Is it hard to breathe? Is that what affected your voice? Yes. So during the surgery, I was injured, and my left vocal cord <gasps> is permanently paralyzed from the tube. So what's weird is that when I had cancer, I had no symptoms, and now that I'm cancer free, I sound like I'm sick. And I. Oh my god! And so, and it's just an injury from the surgery. Inside, yes. Right. And so, um. You know, I, I have to say right up top, like, why my voice is more high-pitched. And then I go into, like, making fun of the audience for having two lungs and how I'm bitter. <laughs> New lunged community and how I can see their rib cages expanding and it makes me bitter. So, <laughs> yeah, you know how it is. You try to throw in anything and try to make it. Yeah. And the PTSD for me was for about 10 months. This is the darkest period of my whole life. For 10 months after my cancer surgery, and I just wasn't getting better, I could not stop vomiting. And let me oh. tell you, that lays you out. Like, you can't do anything. You're dehydrated all the time. Jesus. I was going to the emergency room for um, IV infusions constantly. Um, and then I was, I had shrinks and my oncologist, every doctor said, you have PTSD. And I just wrote it off. I was like, I'm from Chicago. We don't get PTSD. I just thought that that's... It's for people who come back from war. Like, that's what you just assume. Right, right, right. But I think, honestly, the combination of, like, the Trump scandal, all the threats against me, the whole, like, people confronting me in the street, which happened a lot. It still happens oh, this day. God. Showing up at the house, Trump people and stuff. Ugh. And not having really a place to go. Although I will say the FBI was very helpful, and I kind of credit them saving my life because they would come to my house when there was what's called a credible threat mm -hmm. sometimes like they came to my house multiple times to say Jesus. hey there's a person who's very serious about attacking you and i just got used to it in fact i did a movie which nobody distributed but i'm proud of it called kathy griffin a hell of a story and it's a concert movie with some documentary footage and the day of filming the comedy special part the fbi unannounced came over and they were like there's a threat you know somebody's going to try to kill you do you have a show coming up and i said yes tonight you know so that's just a mind fuck and then <laughs> i think you know getting cancer and then having it alter my voice i felt like i lost my voice as an artist during the trump thing and then i literally lost my voice so now wow. i'm just trying to get out there and tell people like I sound a little Minnie Mouse, but I'm I'm okay. I'm not in pain. And then I talk about all the crazy ass shit I do to just try to stay normal, like Kundalini yoga, which I don't even know what that is, but I would <laughs> and I yell shit and I fucking have oils that I'm afraid of because I'm afraid of the essential oil people. <laughs> yeah. mid scheme and i'm afraid of them don't tell them i said that <laughs> it's just all this stuff that i never thought oh and then get this i became addicted to prescription pills during the trump thing uh, i tried yeah, to kill myself and then i even talked about with the pills you tried to kill yourself with the pills i took like a hundred benzos and oh, you guys oh my God. the worst part about trying to kill yourself is when you fucking wake up i was like oh oh you can't uh, even do that right. my first yeah. words were you are fucking kidding me like those are my Wait, oh. did you write a note like what was what was the, what note. led to that moment you wrote a I note i was so messed up on pills i'm so yeah oh, i'm in a but i was so messed up on pills that i was convinced my husband's life would be better 
Like, yeah. I felt like I've had a good run. I've accomplished a lot of cool shit. Oh. It's time for me to go. But it's because my mind was so messed up. Yeah. So I even make fun of AA in my act because nothing is more fun than an AA meeting when someone shows <laughs> up drunk. Oh, <laughs> I'm supposed to laugh, but I fucking love it. <laughs> yes, yes. For all of it. And like I said, I hope it's relatable. And like you said, yes, I want people to laugh and I want to make people laugh and I want to take them out of whatever they're going through for a couple of hours. It's like pretty simple. Yeah. It, it, and it's, you're just trying. I mean, at least I feel when the stuff I talk about, I'm just trying to. I'm not trying to offend anyone, really. That's And I think it gets misconstrued as that so often. But I'm just, I don't like things not being talked about that are like open secrets. Yes. Uh, and, and I think that the only way, you know, it's an AA term, but if it's mentionable, it's manageable. And so when I have an entire bit about molestation or, or rape or, um, uh, you know, uh, t- I have tons of different things that people will go, you can't, you can't touch that. Don't, or suicide. Yeah. Um, and people say you can't say that. And I always go, well, you know, there's always an excuse for like doing like, a, you know, a, a bit. You're like, well, I can talk about this because my brother is this. And I'm like, right, well, I can talk about suicide because I am going to do it someday. Yeah. You know, like I always <laughs> I, I'm a future victim of it. So I think I can. But I think, um, you know, you got to talk about these things because they if we if we don't talk about them, then the people then people keep struggling with them alone. And, and exactly. it it's might like, make some people feel awkward. What the hell are we doing? I, I just I'm not interested in talking right. about things that are not. I, I want to talk about things that are on the surface that everyone I want to talk about porn. Yeah. It's so weird. Porn. No one talks about porn. Yet everyone's kind of, you're not everyone, but many people are watching it and it's, it gets built, you know, they have more views on YouTube than David went after dentists. Like, yeah, yeah, it's everyone's watching it, but no one's talking about, these are the things that interest me. And, and I think it sometimes just gets seen the wrong way of like, oh, you love saying the thing that's going to upset everyone. It's like, that's the last thing I want is someone to be upset. I just think it's interesting to talk about things that no one else is. And I got to just credit you for your bravery of um, I have like a bit I'm working on about a, a celebrity that I'm just like, man, if this person's like camp comes after me, like I, I could lose, you know, people well, don't know this about armies. the business, but the fan armies, if, oh my God, the fan armies, fan armies, but also like their publicists, their publicists can say, well, uh, you know what? Yeah. She said this about her on a show. So we're never going to do Jimmy Kimmel. If you let yeah. that girl do Jimmy Kimmel because of what she said. So they can start kind of blacklisting you yeah. from things if they're, if they're famous enough, but also their fan armies. What um do you hold back ever with the celebrity stuff? Has it has there ever been a bit that you did say that you go, oh man, I really regret doing that? Have you uh, you know I'm sure you get asked this all the time, but the run-ins you have the book. I have the book on my shelf, the A to Z celebrity yes, encounters, which is incredible and has informed so much of how I look at certain celebrities now. Oh, I um, I, pr- I thank way, you for that so much. The book aren't even talking to me now. Like I look at that <laughs> book and I'm like, I I wrote a freaking love letter for this person. They should send me some goddamn flowers. But no, yes. I love celebrity run-ins because, look, we all see celebrities and we're all interested in people that are in the forefront, whether it's a political figure or a Kardashian. And I love lifting that veil because the veil is there. And now yes. you've got celebrities that are like influencers and that's a whole other game. And I get such a kick out of running into these people because there's like the legit people with talent I'm just fascinated by. Mm-hmm. And then there are the people that are famous for being famous. 
But yes, I have, you know, I've been blacklisted by everybody. I've had everybody pissed off at me. I've been confronted by everybody. And I just have to laugh because, like, I had, like, Demi Lovato's fans come after me. Those are some pissed off cutters. Let me tell you. <laughs> pissed off cutters. And I was tweeting one night, and I had done, like, a double in Seattle. And it was just, you know, you can't sleep. So I was like, okay, I go on Twitter. This is, like, before Twitter was X. And I'm like, okay, I'll take questions. And somebody wrote, who's like the biggest douchebag celebrity you've ever met? And mm -hmm. I wrote Debbie Lovato because <laughs> Debbie, Debbie, yeah. Debbie. So <laughs> I go to bed. It's so much better than writing Debbie. <laughs> my phone is like blown up. And you know that feeling if you look at your phone and there's way too many texts? Like, yeah. Way. Oh, and you know someone's died or. And you get that feeling. You're you got, yeah. That's right. You're like, who mm -hmm. died? Um. Okay, so the I call them the Debbie Army. The Debbie Army was livid. And then Debbie herself posted a picture that she took, what, that I didn't know she took line in the background, and it was at iHeartRadio, and I was introducing somebody. And then I went to watch Rihanna, and Debbie Lovato took a picture of, like, herself going, like, like, but with me in the background, like, pointing to me, like, eh. So when she stood oh. up, then the army went. It was on. So it was go time. And I'm sitting there like, I'm in my 50s, kids. I don't know. I don't, we don't, I didn't have a fan or I liked Carly Simon. I don't even know what you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, as a Swifty, I understand the ire that can come out of those kinds of communities. And, and I don't take part in, in that no. kind of, um, uh, that, that part of the fan base, but. It, it, it you're walking a minefield now and it's only increased with social media so when oh you God. first started talking about you know barbara streisand with the did you know that bitch painted my wife white yeah <laughs> like that that story and stuff like there wasn't these like social media um like storms that could start happening right. and turn everyone against you i want to go to break but then i want to come back and i want to hear your justification for that answer of debbie lovato <laughs> when we get back okay are you looking for some amazing TV to stream? Well, sink into your couch and indulge with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. We're talking some of the greatest comedies of all time. Absolute must-watch shows. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the crew in How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons of How I Met Your Mother are now streaming on Hulu right now. One of my favorite shows ever. And I mean, don't you want to know how he met their mother? Then go back home with the Dumfies, the Pritchetts, and the Pritchett Tuckers in Modern Family. Then you can start over with the Roses on Schitt's Creek. And then see what's up in the Kyle household in My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits. Streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. I mean, can you even watch all of this? We think so. Head on over to Hulu and start streaming today. Now we're talking. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Tired of hair removal tools that just don't cut it? Conair Girl Bomb gives you smooth, flawless results while putting you firmly in control. From achieving that silky smooth skin to boosting your inner confidence, Conair Girl Bomb is all about helping you elevate your self care game. Whether it's creating a hype playlist, throwing yourself into a hobby, or scheduling some me time, 
Self-care is important to keeping you feeling confident and empowered. It's time to take your hair removal routine to the next level. You can trust Conair Girl Bomb to get the job done right. Conair Girl Bomb gives you the secret weapons for achieving powerful results with ease. Designed with women in mind, these tools boast the Sassy Girl Bomb Grip for unparalleled handling and precision, along with professional grade blades to deliver results that you used to only get from men's tools. No more compromising. So, to all you incredible women out there, treat yourself to a little Conair Girl Bomb magic. Don't settle for anything less than perfection. Elevate your grooming game with Conair Girl Bomb. Available now at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. Um we're back with Kathy Griffin. Okay, why, when asked about the most unpleasant encounter you had with a celebrity, did you say Debbie Lovato? All right, I just get a kick out of Debbie. Because first of all, she was livid that I called her Debbie instead of him. <laughs> and I just think that's funny. I've been called Kathy Lee Griffin. I've been called, yeah, yeah. I've been called Kathy Griffith. I've been called yeah. Kathy my career. I don't give a... That is not my problem in life. But she just seems to lack a sense of humor about herself. And that mm-hmm. is my favorite kind of celebrity. I'm sorry, but- Most of them. Right? So I don't make fun of like somebody who's really funny on a sitcom or somebody who's like on SNL because they're a funny person. But mm-hmm. I really get a kick out of especially young celebrities that are wildly famous, incredibly rich, beyond privileged, beautiful, lauded, and yet- Every time I would run into Debbie, she just was like a sourpuss. Mm-hmm. So after this whole thing happened, we were both at the Tonight Show. I was the first guest. She was the singer, right? Whoa, after this happened? Yes. Oh, my God. What did you think when you realized she was going to be the, were you? Did you try to get rebooked? I would be so scared. I was terrified of her army. And so I saw her in the <laughs> I'd be hall. I terrified of her. And I said, yeah. right her in the hall. You would buy me. And I was like, okay. So if you remember on The Tonight Show, Jay Leno would walk you over and you would watch the band. So yes. So was standing feet away from her, kind of dancing a little. <laughs> and she had a new hit single. I don't remember what it was, like yeah. the summer or whatever. And so afterwards, Jay says, let's walk over. He doesn't know anything about me and Debbie. So I walk over and I just turned to her and I said, congratulations on your new single. And she just gave me like the stink eye. And I just... I was like, Debbie, now you're in my hat more. Like, Debbie, yeah, like, you just stop giving me right stuff. My hat. Yes. All you had to do was giggle or say, hey, that whole thing was silly or, hey, we're both professionals. But I can't help it. I still get a kick out of the youngs. And often it's the youngs that are living in the dream, but they're furious still- about some joke I made. <laughs> Yes, yes. The 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 lack of sense of humor about themselves. That's and that's what I. That's who I feel. I'm I'm kind of going after J Lo in my next set. Um, just for just some hypocrisy I see happening, which I see. You know, I you see it everywhere with uh, every celebrity. But I'm just you know, my goal is I if I get ascend in fame is to dispel all the bullshit that I grew up like worshiping celebrities about. Like I think that's the new job of of the celebrity is to like stop of course we're on a pedestal for our talent that sure put us up there but all the other bullshit the beauty the 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 the, the lighting the everything that makes us look right. so unattainable and makes you at home feel like shit like yeah. i'm tired of it and i want more i just want more transparency from celebrities i guess i i i i, I, I don't i i'm but you know my my 
boyfriend who's producing my special is kind of like, are you ready to like go after her so hard? And I'm like, you know what I'll do is I'll amp up how I actually feel, which is she's so stunning. I'll just compliment the fuck out of her in a very genuine way. But I have to actually say the truth of how I feel too. Like I I can't, I, I, I got to balance it out somehow. Like that's how I'm feeling like I, cause you know, people could go after me about things and I'd feel like sad if someone spent a lot of time in their comedy special, like taking something down that I was kind of shitty about. And, um, you know, and I'm willing to forgive her too, or like, you know, yeah, but it also makes a difference if it's true. And let me tell you something. Yeah. She's rough, man. She's fucking rough trade. And I've, I've heard, heard some stories. Times. I've done everything from, I hosted the billboard awards one year when she was singing. And I'm saying that in air quotes. <laughs> and I, I saw her like <laughs> one time that I got to go to a Kardashian Christmas party, which that alone was a dream. And of course, they have like a photo booth with like perfect lighting and everybody looks 12 years old. And so <laughs> he was with A-Rod at the time. And so I go, Jail, take, come on, let's take one picture together where you're like, give me the stink guy because I've given you shit on stage. And I go, see if A-Rod will do it with me. And she goes, it's Alex. His name is Alex. <laughs> oh, my God. And I what? was just like, I came up to her and I said... Give me the stink guy in the picture. Like, I'm handing it to her on a silver platter to go, I am willing to be the jester, and you're beautiful, successful, gazillionaire J-Lo, and I'm actually saying, give it to me. Like, I yes. think that's a funny picture for both of us. Right. But all she kept saying was, it's Alex. Alex. <laughs> and so and because I photobombed a picture of them together. <laughs> <laughs> and she legit was pissed. Uh, oh, I'm funny. sure. But I'm just like, what? What? And two seconds later, they got because a picture. But I just, I couldn't figure out why she was such like a malcontent. But I am fascinated by that. Just that's the like, fascination. What? Why are you such a bitch? Like, why are what these people so? Why do they treat people horribly? How like, can the I guess people go more your freaking way. I know, and yet you're because uh, I guess it, it just seems to happen with with fame with people. And I know you've you've encountered this countless times, more way more than I have, of just people who are the most famous had had the most gifted, uh, just genetics, and yes. then you know, uh, just just handed to them on silver platter their whole life, and yet they're so, they're so mean. People, you know, you hear stories about people working with them on set and how they're just a nightmare to work with. And it's like, why? And how is this person still working when there's such a cunt? Like, yet you get canceled for a picture, but then a person who treats everyone and doesn't let them look at them on set right. is mean to everyone, holds up production for hours because, you know, their their tea was cold or whatever. They, right. oh, their, their eyelash extensions weren't the right ones or whatever and holds up a million dollar production. They get to keep working? Why? But why? Why can't they just figure out that all they have to do is laugh at themselves? That's yeah. all they have to do. Like, like Brooke Shields, I was on a show with her for four years. And, yeah. she, and I always say she changed my life because I went from not working to being on an NBC sitcom back in the day when it was like must-see TV. So she doesn't care for me because I put a story about her in one of my specials. Even though she came to see me live one time and I told the story and she was like, oh, that was really funny. Don't forget to put this part in. What? Like, Wait, which story was it? It was about her wedding. I yes, I remember. Okay, her yes. Mom, who was a famous alcoholic, but I yes. one great with her mom because I I you know how to be around alcohol. I yeah. talk to a drunk like no. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I can see the fun part. And her mom 
was, you know, I'm not saying she was the best mom, but she was smart and clever Mm -hmm. and whatever. And so it makes me sad because I have such warm feelings for Brooke Shields and we worked together every day for four years and she's Brooke Shields, like the most beautiful, celebrated. She did comedy. She did drama. She did Broadway. Yeah. And we were like close. And I just go, that's her choice. I, you know, did you apologize? I mean, was there a interaction between you two where you said I, she kind of, she kind of like, okayed the story. Right. But what pissed her off is is Howard Stern mentioned it one time when I was on Howard, and she has an issue with Howard, even oh. though I kept saying, Brooke, if you go on Howard Stern one time, I'll oh my God, she will kiss love your him. ass, he will fall yeah. in love with you, and yep. then you'll become a regular. Yes. So, but I think she maybe has that like pretty girl thing where she kind of just didn't want to get there. Yeah. But I just, I don't know. I, that's a bummer. I know, you seem like a really good friend. Yeah. And, and so I, it makes me sad when people don't take the joke, but also carry it on for like years and years. Yeah. No. Well, final thought. I mean, there are some people, we can talk about the people that have been unpleasant, but some people have been extremely kind to you even throughout uh, your cancellation. Yeah. Um, and and I, I heard you mention Kimmel never blacklisted you. Seth Meyers. Seth Meyers. Stern. Howard, yeah. I mean, Jimmy Kimmel had me on because my voice used to be even more high-pitched. I had like five surgeries on it. And God. So I went on there when I was literally talking like this. Oh, yeah. And he had me on. And he, um, when I got kicked off Twitter personally but I, by Elon Musk, because Elon... He, oh, yeah, that's right. Because I, what I did was I changed my username. <laughs> it's hilarious Musk. what you did. And the night before the midterms, I was tweeting... <laughs> You know, I've talked to the mothers of my children, and I am now pro-choice. Vote blue, no matter who. Hashtag Harris. And so people thought it was really Elon, and he got mad, yeah. and he had a fit, and he kicked me off. And then Jimmy called, and he said, we wrote a sketch where you're playing Elon Musk. And Amazing. So yeah, nice. once I get the joke, I'm so yes. freaking grateful. Like, you have no idea. It just means the world when people just yeah. roll with it. And the, can I ask you, going back to your voice thing, so you come out of, you came out of lung cancer surgery. Yeah. Just thinking, okay, I just went through all of that. And then you talk for the first time and you just go, what the fuck? Like, was that the, they they didn't intend to damage your vocal cord. That was a thing that happened. Right. In fact, the guy, the surgeon was like, well, I know what you do for a living and we need you to be out there doing your comedy and we'll be careful. And it just happened and it's permanent. And so I've had to live with that. And I, I just ask the audience to kind of go with it, but I can't really do impressions the same. And, you know, it's weird because as a comic, so much of what we do, you have to really project. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to say I'm a yelling comic, but I yelling and cursing is my love language. (laughs) And telling you what you did wrong is how I I love you. (laughs) And so um, I did my first double, though, because I was afraid my voice couldn't do it. Oh, I was going to say, Jesus. Double on a gay cruise, Nikki. Nikki, have you done a gay cruise yet? No, and I'm uh, honestly I'm trying to pivot to like what? get more gay gay like I'm trying to just uh, pivot to gay audiences. I, I'm like I want I want your audiences. No, this is a bucket list. You have not lived until you've done a gay cruise. Let me, <laughs> those boys are yes. serious, Julie. I know you think you've done partying in your lifetime. I know. Yeah. <laughs> 
but you don't drink, Kathy. Like, I don't know if I can keep up with the drinking and the part, the, like, how do you keep up with it all on those things? Because you can't escape. It's everywhere. No, I know. But as a comic, I get to observe and be sober and watch these boys. And, like, they have parties and they're all theme parties. Like, one is called Guns and Hoses. Yeah. And it's for policemen and firefighters. Even though nobody really is a cop or firefighter, but they yeah, yeah. want to dress like them. Um, breaking Bad theme parties because they love Walter White and Jesse Pinkman because sometimes oh gays God. enjoy meth. And I know that's shocking. <laughs> <laughs> and they just lose their minds for like seven days. And I usually am on the cruise for like two days, but I yeah. have to do a double. So at least I was like, all right. And now I have to use the like Madonna headset mic. Great. But I love it. It's much. That's better. so you, though, man, because you should have been using those for years. You're so physical. And like, I want to see you walk around. Like, I love you with a mic and I love your mic work. Uh, honestly, like I've, I've kind of st- I, I've definitely even watching myself. Sometimes I'm, I'm like, oh, you've definitely learned some things from Kathy. But <laughs> that seems to be like that would have fr- freed you up. That's that's a nice uh, little thing that happened out of this voice thing. No, uh, that, I love it. No. I love it. And the first time I t- I had it was at the Mirage. Because, you know, casinos, they're almost like TV studios. They have everything. Yeah. So I'm going to buy one now and take it town to town. Yes. I, I don't expect these theaters to, like, have it. But I don't even remember the name of it. But it's really helpful. And, I, yeah, for the first time, I have the freedom of my hands. And I love that. I'm pretty physical. Like, I make fun of all the exercises I do for PTSD and <laughs> get down on all fours. And I do this thing. Do you know what this is? Cat cow? Uh, no. no. Brian, you know about it? Cat, he d- yeah, it's like okay. a yoga Tell move. what it is. Kind of just arch your back. You're, you're on all fours oh, like, a, like a, a dog. And you arch your like stomach forward. Vomiting? And then you yes. arch your back. Meow. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. when you go, when you tip your head up, you move like a cow. Now, Julie, I don't know what the hell this does to make me feel better. But, but all it I know is I'd stop vomiting. And then, oh, oh, my God. The scariest time of my freaking wow. life. So if I have to meow and moo, I'll do, <laughs> I'll do whatever it takes. I'll get spayed. I'll do whatever it takes. And I, You're hilarious. So I get to get down on all fours and do my meow moo. Nice. Well, your voice really does. It's improved so much. I had vocal cord surgery a year ago because I had nodules. And I I don't know. Uh, did you go to Dr. Zytel's? No, I usually go to Dr. Sugarman. Okay, and I know I think we've worked with. Do you work with Amy Chapman on vo- yes, voice stuff? She's fantastic. Yes. Uh, she um she worked with me on uh, the Mass Singer, and she but, told she told me that she loves you so much, and I was so excited to have the same voice teacher as yeah. She does Kathy where she like literally massages your. Oh, it's the best. Yeah. She does a larynx massage. No. It's so good. But yeah, you sound amazing, Kathy. I think oh, um you and, so I'm kind of self conscious about it. It's it, no, it's it really it's it doesn't sound like you're in pain as long as you establish that up front. Yeah, I for people I, that I might worry talk. about it. Yeah, yeah there there's it honestly it's 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 not it's not it's, it's, it's not, not even, even noticeable. noticeable. Okay, it really, really forget about it. Yeah. No, I just it's, at first you go, oh, she sounds different, but it's no, it's nothing to be uh, self conscious about. I, I okay. hope you I hope you uh, accept that. All right, yeah. If you hadn't mentioned it, I would not really? have. Oh even yeah, twice about yeah. It. Well, okay, yeah. good, good, good. I'm so excited to see you on tour, though. I'm I'm really gonna make an effort to drive across Missouri. I'm in St. Louis to come see you in Kansas City. Yes. I cannot wait to see you. I can't wait for this tour. Everyone has to go and buy tickets to this. Kathy is just one of the most original, most inspirational, most funniest people ever. Her live shows are insane. They're sometimes three hours long. It's it's <laughs> it's an experience, man. So you got to go see her on the um, my life on the PTSD tour and you can get those tickets at kathygriffin.com 
Um, and they're available right now. Go check all the tour dates. There's 40 of them. Read her books. Watch her specials. She has 20 of them. Um, immerse yourself in all things, Kathy, if you haven't already. She's one of my favorites and always will be. I'm so honored that you did the podcast. Thank you so much, Kathy. I just love you so much. You call me anytime. You know where to find me. Thank you, Kathy. Aww. That means the world. Julie, I love you. I miss you. Oh, God. <laughs> I love you too, Kathy. All right. Honey. Maybe I'll come with Nikki to you come got, see we're you. We're going to go. You for don't sure. Get Nikki, Julie. You just get <laughs> All right. And, All right. All right. I love it. We have a special relationship. <laughs> I love you. Bye. I appreciate it. Bye, Kathy. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. This is so cool. Don't Tell Comedy is sponsoring this podcast. Don't Tell Comedy are comedy shows that happen in these really intimate, unique spaces like art galleries and backyards and rooftops. I did one of their first shows in 2017. It was in a random clothing store in LA. Now they're in 150 cities worldwide. You got to check them out. They are such a perfect night out. Don't Tell Comedy is the spot to go. Date night, alone night, friend night, whatever you want it to be. It's so fun. Get tickets at DontTellComedy.com. Use the code Nikki for 20% off your first show. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girlbomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip and professional-grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girlbomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girl Bomb, available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you.